My prison is beautiful, filled with the finest furnishings from the past and present. I have plenty of space to roam, with seven bedrooms, three living areas, a private library, and a chef's kitchen. I am free to come and go. There are no keepers to watch me and no locks on the doors. I am my own warden. The curse is the only shackles that bind me. When the walls begin to close in, I walk through the gardens or stroll across the hundreds of acres that were a part of my family estate that is now mine and mine alone. I used to go into the city and find cars. I used to have friends who would happily accompany me to the opera or the art galleries, but now they are just as absent as the horses that used to be in my stables. They didn't leave me. I shut them out. They weren't safe around me. No one is, or ever will be. The beast within me not only consumes me, but everyone around me. Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. This week we are discussing the Beast of Exmoor, a legendary cat or panther-like creature purported to roam the Exmoor Hills in southwestern England. This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com, such as Destination Terror. You can listen to a new episode every week as I take you to horrifying destinations both real and mythical. Be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave an honest review on iTunes, too. The more we get, the more we grow. And hopefully, the more monsters we can explore. You can find Freaky Folklore videos on YouTube as well. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram for information on future episodes. Everyone told me it was a bad idea to go on my honeymoon alone after being dumped on my wedding day. They said it would be depressing and that I needed to be around people. I, on the other hand, disagreed. I needed to be away from people especially people I knew and who knew what had happened. If I had to socialize, I would bottle up my emotions until they filled me to the brim, like a dam waiting to burst. I needed some place to cry or scream if I felt like it, without any judgment or someone thinking I had lost my mind. And the little cottage on the moors in western England was the perfect place to do just that. My friends had so many opinions on how I should have reacted. Tam, you should blast him on social media. Tam, you should go out with the girls. Tam, you should get a therapist. My sister had the worst advice of all. Tam, in my experience, to get over a man, you should get under another one. We both wore my white chocolate mocha home that morning after I spit it out all over us, choking at her words. The thing is, I didn't want to tell them how I really felt. It was humiliating, 
But when I got that text, yes, he dumped me via text message. As soon as I read it, relief washed over me. It was like a huge load had been lifted off my shoulders. So no one knew it, but going to that little cottage in England alone was like a little celebration for me. I had dodged a bullet. So with the little cottage as my haven, I embraced the solitude, seeing it as a personal celebration. Here on the moors in England, I could confront my emotions head on without the need for explanations or justifications. It was a chapter I closed, and the winds of the moors whispered secrets of understanding, a journey of self-discovery unfolding in the shadows of the landscape. The pictures of the cottage on the Airbnb website did not do the place justice, although it was a little misleading. The cottage itself, when pulling into the drive, was like stepping back in time, but on the inside, it was completely modern. I thought it would be more secluded, but instead the cottage was on the edge of a tiny village called Willowbrook. There was a quaint little pub, and anything I could possibly need was within walking distance. I arrived just as the sun was setting on my first day. I grabbed a bite to eat after picking up my rental car, so once my bags hit the floor in the cottage, I laid back on the large king-sized bed in the master bedroom kicked off my shoes, and fell asleep. I must have slept the whole evening away, mostly due to jet lag, but I'm sure stress added to my exhaustion as well. When I finally woke up, the clock on the bedside table was flashing 9.48, and my stomach was rumbling. Ignoring my stomach, I went through my luggage and put up my things. I didn't want to dig through suitcases every day when I would be there for two weeks. I wanted to feel like I was at home. I could at least pretend for a little while. As I put my luggage away, I noticed an envelope lying by the front door. I hadn't noticed that laying there before. I wondered if someone had slipped it under while I was asleep. Picking it up, I peeled it open and read the short note inside. Welcome to the Birch Cleave Cottage. Be sure to follow the guidelines listed on our website. Enjoy our quaint village but be careful not to stray too far after dark. The wild animals around here like the taste of tourists. Enjoy your stay. Pip, owner of Birch Cleave Cottage. That was an odd welcome slash warning. It made me shiver, which was probably the desired effect. I shook my head and tossed the envelope on the table by the door and quickly forgot about it. After everything was put away, I took a long hot shower, put on my pajamas, and curled up with a book. My stomach began to rumble again, but it was too late to go out for food, and I hadn't stocked the kitchen yet. So I dug a couple of bags of crackers out of my purse that I had tucked away during my flights, just for this reason. After scarfing down the snacks, it wasn't long until I nodded off again. The next morning was beautiful, even though there was a bite to the chill in the air. After grabbing something to eat from the bakery in the village, I decided to start my day off with a walk to clear my head and get my blood pumping. I passed by several people on my way, and each greeted me with a warm smile. The tiny village of Willowbrook had an undeniable charm, with its quaint cottages and cobblestone streets 
As I strolled through, the pub, which I now knew as the Emberglow Tavern, caught my eye, and I made a mental note to explore it later. The moorland embraced me with open arms, its vastness stretching out before me like a canvas painted in shades of green and gold. The winds carried the scent of heather and earth, and the distant cry of a bird added a melodic touch to the tranquil ambience. It was a stark contrast to the chaotic whirlwind that had been my life. I lost track of the time, and eventually the path I was on as well. I hadn't even realized that I had wandered off until I turned around to head back. I thought I was heading in the same direction, but I couldn't seem to find the road that led to the village. I refused to let panic set in as I tried to use the GPS on my phone to find my way back, but of course the signal was too weak, without any Wi-Fi to connect to. I was near tears. My wonderful healing walk was about to turn into a full-blown panic attack. Trying to get a grip on my nerves, I sat down in a clearing full of wildflowers and began taking slow, deep breaths. Within a few minutes, my heart rate began to slow, and I was able to take in and appreciate my surroundings. The heather, in full bloom, painted the moors in hues ranging from delicate pinks to deep purples, creating a sea of blossoms that swayed with the caress of the breeze. The air was infused with the sweet, earthy scent of heather, a fragrance that lingered and intertwined with the invigorating freshness of the spring day. I laid back in the midst of the wildflowers, their petals brushing against my skin, like delicate whispers from the moors themselves. The vastness of the landscape unfolded above me, a boundless sky, blue and adorned with fluffy white clouds, drifting lazily. Without any warning, I drifted off to sleep. I couldn't tell where my daydreams and real dreams met because I continued my exploration of the beautiful countryside while I slept. But when I awoke, darkness had invaded the warm spring day. The sun was gone and had been replaced by twinkling stars. Though waking in the darkness was terrifying, as I stood, I realized it may be my saving grace. I remembered the letter that I had found the night before and instantly felt the seriousness of the message. In the distance through the trees, I could see a light beckoning. Finally, a light had to mean life. I could follow it and get directions. I took off across the field and headed toward the forest. It wasn't ideal to walk through the woods alone at night, but I didn't have much choice. The light that beckoned me was on the other side. I could barely see the ground in front of me, so I turned on my phone's lantern to light the way. As the trees surrounded me, the moonlight blanched out. My phone was now the only source of light. Focusing on my feet, I hadn't been paying attention to the sounds around me until I heard a strange crunching sound, reminding me of my ex when we shared a meal. I didn't know if looking for the source of the sound, which were obviously now chewing and tearing sounds, was a good idea. Probably not so I chose to stay the course. Unfortunately, the creature that was having a late-night snack lay directly in my path. I froze when I saw the size of the beast, and every hair on my body stood on end. 
the only time I had ever laid eyes on anything close to this was in a zoo. It looked very much like a lion, but was as black as the night itself. It was tearing into a poor little goat that must have wandered too far from home. I began to back away slowly in hopes that it hadn't noticed my presence, but the first step caught a twig. The snap seemed to echo through the forest, and for a moment I froze, and the big cat did as well. Our eyes locked, and immediately my blood froze in my veins. If I had been closer, it would have pounced on me in one jump, but I was just far enough away to get a head start. I turned and sprinted back out of the woods and across the field not looking back, praying under my breath in hopes the creature had written me off as a mere disturbance to his dinner. Luck wasn't on my side at all, it seemed. I could hear the weight of it as it sprinted across the grass behind me. I didn't think I could go any faster until I heard it snarl. I had watched enough Animal Planet to know that I didn't have much time before it was upon me, tearing into my flesh the same way as that poor goat. I veered to my left, trying to circle back to the light I had seen earlier. Time seemed to stand still or speed up so fast I couldn't tell which, but I made it across a long driveway and to the front door. I didn't bother to knock before trying the door, and finally luck shined on me and I fell through. Stumbling, I scrambled for my life and turned just in time to slam the door shut in the creature's face. It crashed against the door, causing it to vibrate on its hinges. I held my breath, hoping they would hold. I heard an angry feline growl as the creature righted itself and then swiped the door several times with its claws before falling silent. This episode is sponsored by The Dead Files from Travel Channel. If you're listening to anything on the EerieCast network, odds are you love ghost stories. That's why I think you'll love The Dead Files from Travel Channel. Join hosts Amy Allen and Steve Deshavi as they investigate paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the US. Each host offers a unique and exciting perspective for every case. Amy is a medium, seeing and speaking to those who are no longer in the world of the living. And Steve is a retired homicide detective who uses public records and witness testimony to piece together the history of the haunted location. Each episode of The Dead Files features a different, real haunting to possibly help the family struggling with its effects. One episode on Falconer, New York deals with a family who keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They frequently witness a shadow figure lurking around their home. Amy and Steve receive their call and investigate, with Amy using her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry, while Steve separately researches the history of the home, only to discover several previous residents who lived at the home died, confirming Amy's own findings. After their investigation, Amy and Steve must conclude with whether the house is safe to remain in or if it's time to get out. I really love the deferring perspectives and skill sets between the two hosts. 
And I think that's why The Dead Files is a must-listen podcast for any fan of the paranormal and supernatural. Listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. Exmoor, a captivating expanse of natural beauty, unfolds like a tapestry of diverse landscapes in the southwestern part of England. Here where Somerset and Devon meet, the enchanting Exmoor National Park comes to life offering a rich mosaic of scenery that beckons both nature enthusiasts and wanderers alike. At the heart of Exmoor lies its defining feature, the vast rolling moorland. Heather-clad fields stretch as far as the eye can see, their hues transforming with the seasons. In summer, a sea of purple blankets the landscape, while in winter, the moors take on a more subdued, earthy tone. Carved by centuries of natural forces, Deep valleys meander through the moors, revealing hidden secrets. Wooded glens with their ancient trees and babbling streams provide shelter and contrast to the open expanses of the heathland. The drama of Exmoor extends to its coastline along the Bristol Channel. Rugged cliffs and deep coastal paths offer breathtaking views of the sea, while secluded coves and pebble beaches invite quiet contemplation. Quaint villages with thatched cottages dot the landscape, each with its own charm and character. But amidst the serene beauty of Exmoor's heather-clad hills, wooded valleys, and rugged coastline, a mysterious undercurrent weaves through the landscape. The tale of a creature, whispered to be both elusive and bloodthirsty. Local folklore adds a layer of intrigue to the picturesque scenery as stories circulate of the mythical Beast of Exmoor. Legend speaks of a creature with sleek ebony fur that blends seamlessly with the shadows of the moorland. Amidst the tranquil rivers, hidden glens, and ancient woodlands, a dark story unfolds, one of a phantom feline said to roam the open moors under the cover of night. The tales are as varied as the landscape itself. Farmers recount chilling stories of missing livestock, their tracks suggesting a predator of unearthly proportions. The air of the quaint villages carries echoes of the encounters with a creature, whispered to be as bloodthirsty as it is elusive, leaving the locals to cast wary glances into the heather-covered expanses. The first reported sightings of the Beast of Exmoor date back to the late 1970s and gained momentum through the early 1980s. During this period, numerous witnesses claimed to have encountered a large, mysterious cat-like creature roaming the Exmoor region in southwest England. The initial reports surfaced in the late 1970s, with individuals describing encounters with a big cat resembling a puma or panther. The sightings were concentrated around the Exmoor area, known for its expansive moorland and diverse landscapes. Many of the first witnesses were farmers and locals who reported unusual livestock killings, suggesting the involvement of a large predatory cat. These incidents added a sense of urgency to the sightings as farmers expressed concerns about the impact on their livestock. The legend of the Beast of Exmoor gained significant attention in 1983 when a South Moulton farmer named Eric Lay reported the loss of over 100 sheep on his farm 
in over a three-month period. Lay attributed the deaths to a large, mysterious cat, reigniting public interest and sparking widespread media coverage. In response to the heightened concerns, the Ministry of Agriculture, Fisheries, and Food launched an official investigation into the reported livestock deaths. The investigation took place in 1983 and aimed to determine the cause of the killings and whether a large cat species was responsible. The official conclusion of the investigation, released in 1987, stated that there was no conclusive evidence supporting the existence of a large exotic cat in the Exmoor region. The deaths were attributed to natural causes or predation by common animals like dogs or foxes. Despite the official findings, reported sightings of the Beast of Exmoor continued in the following years and decades. Some accounts included descriptions of a large black cat, while others reported encounters with a tan or brown-colored creature. In 1994, a conference held in Exford brought together experts, witnesses, and enthusiasts to discuss the existence of the Beast of Exmoor. The conference did not produce conclusive evidence, and the mysteries surrounding the creature persisted. In 2006, a man named Frank Tunbridge claimed to have captured video footage of the elusive Beast of Exmoor. The footage shot near the Devon-Somerset border, purportedly showed a large, dark, cat-like creature moving through the landscape. The video footage generated considerable media attention, reigniting public interest in the legendary creature. News outlets covered the story, and the footage was analyzed by experts and enthusiasts alike to determine the authenticity and identity of the creature. Despite the excitement surrounding the video, Experts were unable to definitively identify the creature shown in the footage. The analysis could not conclusively determine whether the animal captured on video was a large domestic cat, a known wild species, or potentially something more mysterious. The 2006 sighting sparked debate and skepticism within the cryptozoology and scientific communities. Some believe the footage provided valuable evidence of the Beast of Exmoor's existence, while others remained skeptical, pointing out the challenges of conclusively identifying an animal based on video footage alone. The 2006 sighting did not lead to a breakthrough in solving the mystery of the Beast of Exmoor. The creature remained elusive, and the legend persisted as part of local folklore. Following the 2006 sighting, Sporadic reports of large cat-like creatures in the Exmoor region continued to be shared. However, as with the previous sightings, no scientific evidence has been presented to confirm the existence of an unknown large cat species in the area. So what is the Beast of Exmoor really? Is it an unknown species just waiting to be identified? Or is it something more supernatural. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. 
Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I was struggling to catch my breath while staring at the door. I didn't hear the footsteps as they approached from behind me. I nearly jumped out of my skin when I heard someone speak. Can I help you? I screamed and turned, ready to defend myself from claws and a ferocious slavering mouth, but fell silent and completely backwards onto the floor when I saw that it was just a man standing there. I grabbed my heart to see if it was still beating, while relief momentarily washed over me. It took me several minutes to regain my ability to speak, and he stood there waiting patiently. He was older, maybe in his seventies. He stared down at me with a look of concern, as if he had no idea that I had almost been ripped to shreds just moments earlier. <sighs> I'm sorry, I said between breaths. There was something, something was... I still couldn't form complete sentences. Let me get you a glass of water, the man stated before turning to leave. When he returned a few minutes later with a glass in hand, I had managed to catch my breath enough to talk. Thank you. I gulped the water down. The cold liquid soothed my raw throat. I offered the glass back when I was done and shakily pushed myself onto my feet. I'm sorry I just barreled through your door. There was something out there. It chased me. It looked like a panther, but much bigger. Of course, I've never seen a panther in real life, so maybe they're supposed to be that big. I don't know. I half expected him to look at me like I was crazy but there was no surprise on his face. The moors are not a safe place here at night. Come, let's have a seat and you can tell me your story. He motioned for me to follow him. Any other time, I may have hesitated. He could have been a serial killer for all I knew, but right now, I would rather face a human predator than that thing I had just left outside. Still shaking all over, I followed him to a room that took me back in time. And suddenly, I began to take in my surroundings. The sitting room felt like entering a time capsule of refined elegance and classic charm. The walls were adorned with rich floral wallpaper. The intricate roses and vines created a warm, inviting atmosphere. The focal point of the room was an imposing stone fireplace, its mantle adorned with antique trinkets, and framed photographs capturing generations of family history. A crackling fire cast a dancing warmth that flickered across the room. Plush upholstered furniture and muted tones of beige and cream adorned the sitting area. Arranged in a symmetrical fashion to create an intimate space for conversation, the upholstery bore the signs of time and use, each mark telling a story of shared laughter, whispered confidences, and the gentle embrace of familiar faces over the years. Antique wooden furniture polished to a warm sheen, dotted the space, displaying delicate porcelain figurines, well-loved novels, and carefully arranged bouquets of fresh flowers. A grand piano stood proudly in one corner, its polished mahogany gleaming in the soft light. I hadn't forgotten that I had almost been mauled by a wild animal, but this was definitely a good distraction. I recovered well enough to remember my manners. I'm sorry for crashing into your house this way. I got lost earlier today, and I was trying to find my way back when I stumbled upon that thing in the woods. 
If I hadn't found this house, I shivered at the thought. It's quite all right, the man said politely. Moonstone Haven has been an actual haven for many throughout the years. I'm just happy that you found your way here to safety. I'm Jacob, and this is my nephew's estate. He's out this evening, or I would offer you a ride home. I'm Tamily. You can call me Tam. It's easier. I hate to impose on you. I would call a ride, but my phone seems to suddenly be missing. I had been digging through my pockets. Do you have a phone I can borrow? I do, but I'm afraid you won't find a ride. You may try if you like, though. He stood and left the room, returning moments later with a cell phone. Thank you so much, Jacob. I appreciate your kindness. I took the phone and opened a browser to try and find a local taxi service. But Jacob had been right. They were all too far away. As I handed the phone back to Jacob, he offered a suggestion. Tam, the moors can be tricky, especially at night. It might be safer for you to stay here at Moonstone Haven for the night. My nephew won't mind, and it's a better option than trying to navigate these roads in the dark. While initially hesitant, the thought of being stranded in an unfamiliar place, especially after encountering a wild creature in the woods, persuaded me to accept Jacob's offer. Moonstone Haven seemed to exude an air of safety, and staying the night felt like the most sensible decision. Thank you, Jacob. I appreciate your kindness. I replied, my voice reflecting both gratitude and a touch of unease. Jacob led me to a guest room, assuring me that I could rest for the night and explore the estate in the morning. The room, like the rest of Moonstone Haven, had an old-world charm, with antique furnishings and a window that overlooked the moonlit moors. As I settled into the comfortable bed, my mind oscillated between the strange encounter in the woods and the mysterious ambience of Moonstone Haven. My stomach growled as I settled in. I had barely eaten anything in the last two days. As I lay in the comfortable bed, my mind oscillated between the strange encounter in the woods and the mysterious ambience of Moonstone Haven. The night passed without any further disturbances, and when the morning light filtered through the curtains, I found myself eager to explore the estate before leaving. After a hearty breakfast prepared by Jacob, I mustered the courage to ask for permission to explore the estate. The old man, with a twinkle in his eye, readily agreed, sharing stories of hidden gardens, ancient oaks, and secret pathways that crisscrossed the expanse of grounds. Venturing out into the morning sunlight, I followed an intricate trail through the estate. The landscape unfolded like a living canvas, revealing the timeless beauty of Moonstone Haven. Every corner held a piece of history, and every tree seemed to whisper secrets of centuries past. As I strolled along the winding paths, the fragrance of blooming flowers and the distant calls of birds created a soothing ambience. The estate with its sprawling gardens and imposing trees felt like a sanctuary untouched by the hurried pace of the outside world. Lost in the serenity of Moonstone Haven, I rounded a bend and collided with someone coming from the opposite direction. Startled, I took a step back, only to find myself face to face with a disheveled young man. His clothes were stained and wrinkled, and there were traces of what looked like dirt and maybe even blood on his sleeves. 
Sorry about that, he mumbled, offering a lopsided smile. His eyes, a shade of deep brown, held a weariness that contradicted his relatively young age. No problem, I replied, my curiosity piqued by the mysterious state of his appearance. I didn't expect to run into anyone so early. Are you a resident here? The man hesitated for a moment before responding. Yes, I'm James, Jacob's nephew. I live on the estate. I didn't expect to see anyone exploring this early. His gaze flickered toward the distant woods, and I couldn't shake the feeling that there was more to his story than he was letting on. As we exchanged pleasantries, I couldn't help but wonder about the events of the previous night, coupled with the peculiar encounter on the moors, hinted at a connection between Moonstone Haven's mysteries and the lives of those who called it home. Before I could delve further into the conversation, Jacob appeared on the scene, his eyes narrowing slightly as he took in the sight of his nephew. James, you're back early. Is everything all right? Jacob inquired, a subtle concern lining his voice. James reassured his uncle, explaining that he had come home late and then had ventured out early to check on some matters concerning the estate. The air held a tension that left me with lingering questions, but Jacob, with a nod, dismissed himself to attend to his tasks. With Jacob's departure, an awkward silence settled between James and me. The air seemed charged with unspoken questions, and I couldn't ignore the traces of disarray on James' clothes. I hope I'm not prying, but is everything okay? I ventured, unable to conceal my curiosity. James hesitated, his gaze momentarily flickering toward the woods, as if contemplating his response. It's just some estate matters, nothing for you to worry about, he finally replied a forced smile masking the weariness in his eyes. Despite his attempt to downplay the situation, I couldn't shake the feeling that something was off. Maybe James had encountered the same creature that I had, or maybe he had been investigating, so I chanced to ask, Did you see any signs of a large animal, like a lion or something, while you were out there? He startled me when he laughed nervously at my question. He answered with what was obviously a fake scoff. You won't find any kind of dangerous animals out here. The most dangerous thing you may run into is a fox. If you excuse me, I'll go clean up, and then I'll take you on a tour of the property. We don't have guests out here very often. As I waited for James to return, I took a moment to absorb the surroundings. The air carried a subtle scent of earth and blooming flowers and the distant murmur of the woods hinted at the secrets hidden within Moonstone Haven. When James reappeared, a subtle change marked his demeanor. The weariness in his eyes persisted, but there was an air of determination, as if he had momentarily set aside the burdens he carried. Shall we begin the tour? He asked, gesturing towards the sprawling estate. As we traversed the grounds, James shared anecdotes about Moonstone Haven's rich history. The stories were woven with a sense of pride and nostalgia, yet I couldn't help but feel that certain chapters remained unspoken. The morning unfolded with a blend of exploration and revelations, and as the noon approached, James extended a warm invitation for lunch, 
Over lunch, Jacob joined us, his presence adding a touch of wisdom to the table. The conversations flowed effortlessly, weaving between tales of the estate's past and the mysteries that encircled Moonstone Haven. After the hearty meal, James suggested, Why don't I give you a ride back to the village? It can be quite a journey on foot, especially if you're not familiar with the moors. Yes, I know, I found that out the hard way, I replied with a nervous laugh. James and Jacob shared a knowing glance, their expressions carrying a depth of understanding and a hint of a secret that only they were privy to. The journey back, guided by James' steady hand at the wheel, offered moments of quiet reflection. The moors, bathed in the gentle glow of the afternoon, unfolded like a painted canvas with vibrant colors of greens and golds. The winds carried the echoes of tales shared, and there was a sense of connection between us. Arriving at the village, I expressed my gratitude to James and Jacob for their hospitality and the unique experience that Moonstone Haven had offered. As I exited the car, I hoped that I might meet James again at some point. The quaint village seemed both familiar and different, as if the threads of my journey had subtly altered the perception of the world around me. As James told me goodbye, a parting glance held the promise of a continued connection. I didn't know at that moment that the connection could be a deadly one. Despite the exhaustion that clung to me like a heavy cloak after the day's adventurous and traumatic experiences, a restless energy propelled me to explore Willowbrook. The cobblestone streets seemed to lead me through a maze of charming cottages, each with its own story whispered through the ivy-clad walls. As the day grew late and shadows stretched across the village, I found myself drawn to the Emberglow Tavern. The warm glow spilling from its windows beckoned, promising escape and the solace of shared stories. Stepping inside, the aroma of hearty meals and the lively chatter of villagers greeted me, temporarily dispelling the weariness that had settled upon my shoulders. Seating myself at a corner table, I overheard snippets of conversation drifting through the air. The villagers spoke in hushed tones, their words tinged with a mixture of fear and fascination. It didn't take long for the topic to gravitate toward the legendary figure that haunted the moors, the Beast of Exmoor, eager to learn more about the tales that rang familiar and also captivated the village. I subtly turned into the conversations around me. The stories painted a vivid picture of a creature that prowled the moors under the veil of darkness, a phantom with eyes that glowed like embers. I overheard the villagers sharing their stories of encounters and sightings, their voices carrying a blend of fear and curiosity. Chills ran down my spine as I realized they weren't just stories. I had experienced the beast myself the night before. I returned to the cottage as the sun lowered behind the trees. I felt a deceptive sense of calmness knowing that tonight I would be safely sheltered from the shadows of the moors and the creature that prowled there. Unbeknownst to me, the beast that had haunted my previous night had now fixated on my scent, but my dreams were not as calm as I had felt while awake. I was in the forest, running from a dark figure, 
My heart raced as I stumbled my way through the night. Seeing a door up ahead, I flung it open and then slammed it shut. Huddling in the corner of a dark room, I could hear clawing coming from the other side of the door. I turned over quickly in my sleep, tangled in the sheets. My eyes shot open, and my heart still raced as it dawned on me that I had been dreaming. I lay there in the dark bedroom of the cottage, but the sound of scratching did not fade. The scratching sound persisted, each scrape echoing through the stillness of the cottage. A shiver crept down my spine as the realization dawned. This night held an unwelcome visitor. My senses heightened, and the air thickened with an unspoken threat. Summoning courage, I slowly sat up, the moonlight filtering through the curtains, casting an eerie glow on the room. The scratching intensified, now accompanied by low growls that reverberated through the walls. Panic surged as I moved cautiously toward the source of the disturbance, the door. With each step, the sounds intensified. As I reached the door, a tentative breath escaped me, and I dared to peer through the keyhole. What met my gaze shattered the thin fell of disbelief. The beast, dark and foreboding, clawed at the door with a vicious determination. Its eyes gleamed like smoldering embers in the dim light, and a chill ran down my spine. The minutes stretched into an eternity as I stood there. The scratching at the door persisted. The door, a makeshift barricade, held a fragile defense against the unseen menace. Suddenly, a bone-chilling howl pierced the night. The creature outside grew more frenzied and intensified its assault on the door. I retreated from the door and sought refuge in the shadows of my bedroom, my eyes never leaving the entrance. As the seconds ticked away, a profound silence descended broken only by the soft rustling of the moors outside. The scratching ceased, leaving an eerie stillness that settled like a heavy fog. Just when I dared to hope for reprieve, a subtle creak echoed through the cottage, a sound that emanated not from the door, but from within. Slowly, I crept back to the main room, my eyes adjusting to the dim light. There, in the corner, stood a figure draped in shadows. The silhouette gradually materialized into a man. A man whose features bore the weight of an untold secret. James, with disheveled clothing and eyes haunted by primal need, stood before me. An array of emotions played across his face. Shame, regret, and a hint of desperation. The truth unfolded in the charged silence between us. The beast of Exmoor, once a creature of the Moors, now wore the face of a man trapped between two worlds. In that moment, the boundary between reality and legend blurred, and I grappled with the realization that the very person in whose home I had taken refuge was the Harbinger of the horror that had stalked me on the moors.
Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other terrifying podcasts, such as Destination Terror, hosted by me, Carmen Carrion. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to CarmenCarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram for information on future episodes. Until next time, stay safe out there, because this world is a strange one.